Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. I am Ryan Burklow. And I'm Alex Collins. And on today's episode, it's going to follow up to our last episode where we ta- we're talking about the, the stock market being down, at least it was as of January 24th. Um, and we we're talking about what's going on in the market. So today's conversation is, okay, we know what's going on in the market. Now, what is it you should do? So we're going to have three takeaways or three steps, if you will, around, okay, wh- what is it you should be doing when the stock market or when your portfolio is reacting the way it is? Yeah. Everybody's response is that they want to do something. Like it, this is almost like the fight or flight response um, where it's like, okay, either I need to run away or I need to like go headlong into this. And those aren't necessarily the, the correct responses. So before we dive into it, Alex, what are we drinking today? Ooh, today we are drinking a, uh, a stout. It's called Starway, um, and it's from Barrel Mountain Brewing up in Battleground, Washington. So another local beer that we're we're te- testing out here. Um, it's uh, a six point six percent alcohol. Uh, it's just thirty five IBUs. It's a, it, you know, stouts aren't normally known for being super bitter. Uh, it's got that. Uh, a really kind of nice chocolatey smell. Yeah, it. I mean, when we first cracked open the the bottle here, it like it smelled like chocolate. I was I thought I was going to drink a chocolate bar, but when you go to drink it, it. I mean, you could definitely taste some chocolate in there, but it, it's it's smoother. It's not heavier. It's not like you're having a meal in a can. Um, right. It's it's drinkable. Definitely drinkable. Solid stout, right? Like I'm not a big fan of of the stouts that feel like a meal in can. Right. Um, the the smell started to turn me off because I definitely don't like sweet beers. Um, but it it was not. It's not sweet. It's not bitter either. It goes down. It finishes rather smooth. Yeah, and it's a. This is a good winter beer that won't like just completely fill you up and make it so that you can't do or do anything else, eat anything else, drink anything else. Hundred percent. So let's talk about the stock market, right? So when the stock market's down, Alex, we get some version of like these four questions, frankly, right? And the four questions we normally get is, Ryan, Alex, should I be selling? Right when the market when the stock market's down, or maybe I need to down, maybe I need to take less risk. Which is basically just another version of should I sell? Sell. Where should we be putting new money, right? They, they might be talking about maybe taking advantage, right? Which is our, our fourth question that we normally get is like, should it be buying, right? Should it be taking advantage of the opportunity? Um, or maybe should I be putting new money in a lower risk category because of what's going on, right? So maybe it's mitigating uh, that risk profile that that you had to begin with. In the end, right, there, I think most questions we get are some form of those four questions. And every one of those questions is all, all emotionally based. Yeah. And they're all fight or flight. Should I buy more is a fight question. Where should I put new money is kind of a mix of the two. Should I take less risk and should I sell is like, I want to run away and hide. And, and we get it, right? Like, let's just face it. Our industry doesn't do the greatest job of explaining what in the world is going on. To take that a step further, 
the media's job is to get eyeballs or ears, right? And so they're right that they they're really good at selling fear, fear and greed, or they're selling greed exactly. So it's hard to wrap your brain around this stuff, especially when that's all you're hearing or reading. And hopefully you've got someone in your life that you can talk to that's, you know, more balanced around all of this. And our, our basic psychology works against us. Like the basic psychology is fight or flight. Like it is hardwired into us. It's been there for millennia and it just simply doesn't work well with how you're supposed to intellectually invest. And we've had, right. It's, this isn't a conversation around, well, oftentimes we don't have people calling us to say, Hey, let's sell and go to cash. Right. Right. Just like when it's a, when it's an uptick in the stock market, it might be a specific asset class or maybe even a stock individual stock where people are like saying, let's put more money there. Or right. they're or they're super excited about the company that they work for, whether that's you know, big employers around here or companies like Amazon, Microsoft, et cetera, and it, uh, Boeing, um, and and so they they want to invest in in their own company. These are emotional decisions, right? I think sometimes when people hear like you know one of the rules is right like having keeping emotions out of it. That's one of the the rules of investing, and people when I think they hear emotions. For whatever reason, they hear sell and go to cash. And I'd argue that most people actually don't do that. Most of the time. They're just changing their portfolio into different like asset class. And asset class could be, you know, a large growth company, right? Or maybe a, a bond or something like that. That's what we're talking about. Those are choices made by emotions. Or they'll look at it and they'll, they'll go, oh, well, domestic companies have done significantly better than international companies. And therefore, I'm going to change my portfolio around to do to mirror what's been doing well in the in the you know last six months or last year or last quarter or whatever the time period is that they they happen to look at for whatever reason. So when we're getting these questions, we really come back to like these three steps. And so, so step number one here, Alex, that we always talk about is, okay, let's go back to the overall investment strategy. What's our philosophy? Why, why are we invested the way we are? And has our portfolio responded the way that we would expect given the market conditions? And I'd make a strong argument that a lot of people, if we asked them that question, they couldn't give us an answer. It's, it's very interesting to hear what people say when you ask them, hey, what's your, what's your strategy for investing? And they'll, they'll typically pair it back, like talking points, like, oh, I want to be broadly diversified. Okay, great. What does that mean? And then they don't have an answer for what that means. Um, this goes to our approach, right? We, and we've spoken about active versus passive versus maybe a structured approach, you know, somewhere in between those, those two. So make sure you check out that episode. We're not going to spend this episode talking about those three different approaches, but again, those three approaches now take that into philosophy. You got to understand how you're invested. And so when, when you have a downturn in the market, if we are, are we, are we expect? Are the results what we expected? Well, and then the, the next component, digging a little bit deeper into that is like really talking about like, okay, 
what's our time horizon? What's our plan for dealing with this? Like, how are we, what, what is the plan to react to this? Do we need to, do we like, what, what are we using? Like, and, and the answer is different depending upon your circumstances, right? If you're a 30 year old, who's just getting started in your career, your response should be different from the person who's within five years of retirement versus the person who's 20 years into retirement. And each one of these people should have different portfolios, different, uh, they're not going to have the same mix. They might have a similar overall concept or, or basic philosophy by how, in terms of how they create it, but they're going to be at different points in terms of like, risk reward and what they're trying to actually have their portfolio accomplish for them. Yeah, it's and this is point number 2. It's it's truly understanding your risk profile. Yeah. Right, like Alex and I we take a very academic approach. Like we literally calculate like standard deviation and really understanding like this is the opportunity, this is what could happen on the negative side and and we share that with our clients. Like this is this is the realm of possibilities that that you're living in currently. Are you okay with that? And do you understand why? And, and it's the next amazing. question becomes, are we within that standard deviation? If the answer is yes, well, then this is a normal occurrence. And this shouldn't be something that causes us to freak out and panic and things of that nature. Yeah, it's amazing when we go through that calculation with people I think they have light bulbs going off, right? Because they've never looked at it, right? They all understand. Like when we ask people on like, are you okay with some losses with the possibility of, of, a, of a greater opportunity? It's even a, a question in our risk tolerance questionnaire, right? And everyone is always okay with it when the stock market is doing well. Well, and when it's this esoteric pie in the sky, like doesn't apply to them question. Yep. But then when we sit down and we say, okay, no, let, let's just realize what it is you're, you're risking here. On a million dollar portfolio, you have to be okay with a 30% loss, which means your portfolio goes down to $700,000 in any given year with the possibility of it going up to, and I'm making up numbers here, by the way, with the possibility of it going up to $1.4 million. That's your realm of possibility, right? Like that changes everything dramatically. Like one of the questions I always ask, okay, stock market goes down. It's down 30%. Your million dollars just went down to $700,000. Are you calling me freaking out? If the answer is yes, then we shouldn't be invested that way. Yep. And we shouldn't have been invested in that way ever. So again, when the market's down, this is really kind of testing those questions. Hopefully your advisor or the robo advisor or your 401k person explained to you. How is the wise? Exactly. And if you understand that, it's much easier to keep your emotions in check. When you don't understand it, it's really, I mean, it's always hard to keep your emotions in check. It makes it harder when you don't understand why. Correct. And, And the real the real issues occur when you break strategy, yep. like when you break strategy and that they, they, I'm not saying that breaking strategy isn't ever 
the right thing define, to do. Define, give an example of breaking strategy, because I think we use strategy often, and I'm not sure qu people quite understand what we mean. Sure. Let's say that we went through the process that you were describing, where we we talked about uh, the million dollar portfolio. We talked about somebody wanting to to take a decent decent amount of risk. They they like the idea of shooting to have their portfolio grow from a million to a million one, with the possibility of going up to a million four. They said that they were okay dropping down to seven hundred thousand, and then a year later, the market tanks. And now we're sitting at a portfolio of like $750,000 and the client comes back to you and I and says, guys, I think this is too much. I can't stomach this. We need to do something different because I can't sleep at night. Well, A, if you can't sleep at night, we need to do something different. And like from our standpoint, the first thing that we're going to do is talk about like, okay, like what's causing this and like trying to help you understand what the long-term ramifications look like. And if we collectively agree that yet yeah, staying as inve aggressively invested as we were, isn't the right thing to do. At that point, we have broken strategy and we have changed based upon the input from the market. Like we're, it's not saying that we're not going to change the portfolio. Like your life is going to change. Your circumstances are going to change. As you get older, you're going to want to take less risk. These are all normal, natural things to occur. And your portfolio should be adjusted over time. When we're talking about breaking strategy, we're talking about making a sizable change based on reacting to something that's going on in the marketplace as opposed to a systematic change that is occurring with changes in your life. And that's both positive and negative, right? It goes the other way around too. Like, you know, a certain asset class has gone through the roof for the last three to four years. And you're like, you come to your advisor and you say, Mr. or Mrs. Advisor, I want to put more money there right? or change the current allocation. It's the same thing. That's what that's that's what we're talking about. Which, which then leads us to to point number three here, Alex. Which is remembering to think long term and not short term. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and like it's not to to say that we aren't going to have a short term bucket from a financial planning standpoint. We absolutely have to have that emergency reserve. We have to have the liquidity. We have to have access to funds but the access to funds should be in accounts that are not going to be risked by investing more aggressively than we should be based on the rest of your circumstances. And it's not saying that you're not aggressive. It's just saying with this piece of the overall pie, we don't want to be aggressive because of how it's being used and, and what the design and structure of that is as it fits into the rest of your financial plan. We've had a whole episode talking about liquidity and having that midterm bucket that most people don't have, which is that bucket that is not in retirement accounts, that's not overly aggressive in the stock market, right? Because of allowing flexibility in planning. Our clients that have that midterm bucket that is not overly invested in high risk in the, in the stock market, those people for the most part, they actually don't call us and say I'm, they're freaking out. Now, they might call us and say, okay, here's that chance for that opportunity. Right. 
but they're not calling us saying, oh crap, let's, let's do X, Y, or Z. Yeah. And this, you're talking, like we're talking right now as though this midterm bucket is just like one thing. In reality, it, there's, it's a grayscale, right? Where the, on one end we've got, you know, very similar to the short-term bucket. And on the other end, we've got very similar to the long-term bucket and we just fill it over time. And we're going to mix and match um, depending upon like what we're trying to accomplish with it. And so much of it has to do with what we're trying to accomplish from a rate of return standpoint, what we're trying to do, look at from a time horizon standpoint, uh, all of those different factors are going to go into how those dollars get managed. And it's not just like one blanket thing where like we talk about a short-term, a medium-term and a long-term bucket. And therefore we only ever have like three things, conservative, moderate, and aggressive. Like that's, that's not it at all. Um, now it may wind up kind of feeling that way a little bit, but we're going to create, um, a lot of, a, a lot of different, uh, color palette, I guess is, is maybe a different, a way of describing it. Um, so within that, it's not just going to be black and white, um, and then gray in between, we're going to create different structures that help us with, uh, you know, identifying what is the most appropriate structure and aggressiveness for what you're trying to accomplish within that midterm bucket. Yeah. And for those of you listening, if you want to go back and listen to that episode, it's episode 124, why you should care about liquidity in retirement now, or the another episode to check out is um, episode number, um, number 118. If you want to check that out, that allows you to look at uh, that midterm bucket and talking about liquidity that we were giving into. That bucket allows all of the flexibility that we're talking about here. So just kind of recap here, right? So as the market's doing what it's doing, right? Understanding three things, making sure you understand your overall investment strategy, number one. Number two, making sure you truly understand that risk profile, make sure you're having conversations around it and, and like look at it from the standpoint of, the dollars lost versus the dollars gain. What's that opportunity? And then lastly, remember, we're thinking most with the money in the stock market, you should be looking at it long term. This is not mm-hmm. short term thinking. And if you're looking at it long term, right, as the saying goes, if you don't sell, you didn't lose anything. Yep. And the reverse is true too. If you didn't sell, you didn't gain anything. Like it's, it's just one of those things where like, we need to make sure that we're taking emotion out of the conversation as much as possible and making sure that we're making sound academically based decisions, given your circumstances, as opposed to reacting to outside stimulus. It goes back to one of the fundamental tenets that you and I talk about, Ryan, which is control the controllables. We can't control what the market does. We can only control what our response to the market is. Which takes us to the question of the day. How are you keeping your emotions in check when investing? So make sure you head over to beerandmoney.net and there's a spot for you to answer that question of the day. There's also a spot for you to engage with us. There's an email that you can send us uh, if you have any specific questions or if you want to talk with us personally. We always hope these episodes are valuable. That's the whole purpose of us recording these episodes is... Uh, is to be a resource uh, for you all and hopefully have you think differently about your money. 
As always, we hope this episode was valuable. And Alex. There's. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 333 North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California. 91711. Telephone 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, AR Insurance License, number 1531912. CA Insurance License, number 0K24924. Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License, number 7264699. CA Insurance License, number 0H24806. Pinpoint number 2022-132721. Expiration January 2024.